Amen. Thank you, Ken. We live in a world full of symbols. So I want to ask you this evening if you are able to recognize some of the symbols that surround us. So I'm going to put a few symbols on the screen, and you're going to work up your courage to speak out loud if you know what these symbols are, what these symbols represent. So anyone know this one? Male and female, that's right. So male is the arrow and female is the cross, I think. This one? I hear a collective murmur, but I can't, I can't distinguish. Thank you. Apple and Android. So the apple is the one that looks like an apple, and the Android is the one that looks like a robot. This one? Well done, Jim. I put this one in specially for you, Jim. That, that is a capacitor, which is an electronic uh, component, you might say. And it's never to be confused with this one which is take that, and if for, the, for, the, for the younger ones, that's like a 90s version of One Direction. I, that's as far, I, I go to One Direction, I don't go any further, so if there's a new version of One Direction, you'll understand. So that's a capacitor, and take that, what else have we got? Uh, oh, that one, CND, that's right, sometimes just peace nowadays. And the last one, very tricky one. Oh, well done, Katie. I didn't brief Katie before we left. I was asked if I could brief Katie, and I said, no, definitely not. It is the Rebel Alliance. And what's that from, Katie? Star Wars. Star Wars Rebel Alliance. Are they the goodies or the baddies? They're the goodies because they're rebelling against the baddies. So it's good to be a rebel when it's against the baddies. It's bad to be a rebel against the goodies. So we click on. Oh, sorry, not that far. Well done, everyone. I think you deserve a wee round of applause. So symbols are pictures which point to a greater reality. And baptism is a symbol. It is a picture which points to a greater reality. Baptism is more than a symbol, but it's still a symbol. In fact, there are three things which are pictured in baptism, and I want us to see them as we see Megan being baptized. I want us to understand what is being pictured as she is led under the water and out of the water. So the first thing that is symbolized in baptism, the first thing that is pictured in baptism is a bath, a bath. So every year we used to have a group of primary school children who would come from a school in, uh, I was going to say Cumbernauld, in uh, Coatbridge, and they would come here, and my job was to show them around a Baptist church. Most of them had been in uh, Roman Catholic uh, churches or Church of Scotland churches, and they came into this church. They had a look around. A lot of things were very familiar. They'd seen pews before. They'd seen stained glass windows before. You know, they'd seen lecterns and seen uh, tables before in churches, but they had never seen the big 
pool of water that we have at the front of our church. And I would show them this big pool of water, and I would ask them what they think or what they thought it was used for. And it was amazing because every single year we went through the same routine. The first thing they always said was a jacuzzi. <laughs> they thought that after a hard morning service, I would get to kind of kick back in my ministerial jacuzzi and relax preparing for the evening service. And I said, no, it's not a jacuzzi. It's not a hot tub or a swimming pool. And they would look puzzled for a few moments. And the second thing, every single year, the second thing that they would guess is that it's a bath because it looks like a bath, doesn't it? The, the main reason that we immerse ourselves in water is to wash ourselves clean, so you can understand why the children thought that it might have been used as a bath. And I said, no, it's not a bath, but actually there is a, an element of truth in that, because it pictures being washed clean, being washed clean. The word uh, that we get baptism from is uh, the Greek word that was used in the original New Testament, baptizo, and it usually means to get very wet, maybe to immerse, sometimes to dip, but it could actually sometimes be used uh, to mean to wash, to wash, and that is what's pictured. One of the things that's pictured in baptism, we picture a person being washed clean. Because when someone becomes a Christian, we believe that God washes them clean. Not on the outside, but on the inside. Not physically, but spiritually. It's often said that baptism is an outward physical picture of an inner spiritual reality. So when someone becomes a Christian, the Lord washes them clean on the inside. Now, it's quite a difficult do thing to do, to stand up here and to say, you need a bath. It's, it's not always that well received, but the reality is all of us need a bath. Spiritually, we have all done things which make us unclean in the eyes of God. And I want to read a passage from Mark chapter 7 to you this evening. Uh, Mark 7 verse 14, Jesus called to the crowd and he said to them, listen to me everyone, understand this. Nothing outside of you can make you unclean by going into you. It's what comes out of you that makes you unclean. And in this verse, this is Mark chapter 7, verse 20. He went on to say, what comes out of people makes them unclean. Evil thoughts come from the inside, from people's hearts. So do sexual sins, stealing and murder, adultery, greed, hate, cheating come from people's hearts too. So do desires that are not pure and wanting what belongs to others telling lies about others, being proud and being foolish. All these evil things come from the inside and make people unclean. So if you've ever had an, an evil thought, an impure desire, 
a moment of jealousy or lust, then you know that you can count yourself amongst the unclean. And all of us can tick that box. All of us fall into that category. The unclean, the imperfect, the impure. And God will not welcome us into His presence until we have been cleaned, until we have been washed. Some of us probably think that we don't actually smell that bad. I apologize to members of this church because I'm always talking about my days being brought up in the boys' brigades. I, I had quite a boring life, so my whole source of illustrations tends to be from boys' brigades. And uh, I can remember vividly, I'm from Glasgow originally, the first time I went camping with the boys' brigade, uh, we get taken out to a wee place near Ballyvane, which is near Campbelltown. It's the middle of nowhere, really. And uh, out we got, and I kept hearing that it's going to be great to get out of Glasgow, out of the big city, out of the big smoke, and you'll enjoy breathing in the fresh country air. So I was looking forward to the fresh country air until I stepped out of the minibus that we were in, and I discovered that if you're camping in a field next to cows, then the fresh country air doesn't smell very fresh. And I thought to myself, how am I going to cope? How am I going to manage a whole week living in this field with this smell? But I found after a couple of days, I never even noticed that the smell was there anymore. I'd become so familiar to it, so used to it, that it was like it wasn't even there. And we're like that with the, the sin, with the wrong things in our, our lives. Sometimes we make them feel very at home in our lives, and we become very at home with them. We become so used to the things that we do that are wrong that we don't realize, we don't recognize that they make us unclean spiritually. There's a passage in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, and Isaiah in that chapter has a vision, and he meets with God. How would you feel if you met with God? Isaiah felt terrified. He felt fearful. This is what he said. He said, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. I don't know if Isaiah knew that he was unclean until he saw the Lord. I don't know if he knew that he was impure until he saw the purity of God. I don't know if he knew that he was unholy until he saw the holiness of God. It is only really when we see God as He is that we see ourselves as we truly are. So he saw his unholiness in the presence of this holy God, and his assumption was, I am ruined. But he wasn't ruined, because the Lord atoned for his impurities. He washed him clean, and he used Isaiah in, in wonderful ways. When you see God's holiness, when you see the Lord's purity, it is then that you see your own unholiness, your own impurity. 
Some of us maybe know that we are spiritually unclean, but we think we can kind of make up for it. We can mask the smell, as it were, by uh, covering ourselves up with, with good deeds, you know, or maybe religious rules or rituals. Go to church every Sunday, and that will make up for the bad things that I do. But it will never work. If anything, actually, it makes the smell even worse. Have you ever smelled a bad smell that you've kind of sprayed lots of air freshener into, and it's even worse than it was before? You can't make up for it by religious uh, rituals or by good deeds. And some of us maybe think we're so unclean in God's eyes that there's no hope for us. We can never be washed clean. We can never be forgiven. We can never be made new. We can never be welcomed into His holy presence. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. No matter who we are, where we've been, what we've done, He is always ready and able to receive us, to welcome us, to wash us clean, to make us new, and to welcome us into His presence forever. Jesus took our sins so that we could be declared righteous. He took our spiritual filth so that we could claim His cleanliness as our own. He took our unholiness so that we could be holy in God's eyes. The Bible said, says, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we may become the righteousness of God. The believer is perfectly pure in the eyes of God forever. Megan is perfectly pure in the eyes of God forever because she has given her life to Jesus, and that is pictured in baptism. First thing, a bath. There's two more things. We'll go through them a wee bit quicker. The second thing is a burial. A burial. Romans chapter 6, verse 3, Paul says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death. Verse 5, if we have been united with Him like this in His death. The first half of that verse seems so good. If we have been united with Him, to be united with Jesus is to be united with, with life if we have been united with Him. But then it goes on to say, if we have been united with Him like this in His death, that doesn't sound so good. If we are Christians, we are united with Christ. Uh, the Apostle Paul even speaks of us being in Christ. That is how united to Christ we are but we are united in His death. And that ought to excite us as well. We ought to be happy about that because the death of Jesus is a joyous death. It's death to things which bind us up and hold us back. It's death to the things of death. A death that unites us to Jesus means that we are no longer enslaved to our sin. We are no longer enslaved to death itself. Death will become to us the doorway to life lived in His presence. And we declare that in baptism. We declare that we have died to the old lives that we used to live without God, without Christ. And 
Lastly, we've not just died to the old lives. So I don't keep, when Megan goes under the water, that's a picture of, of burial. Death to the old life, lived without God, lived for self. But we don't keep her under the water. Megan will be relieved to hear. As soon as she goes under, she comes up, which is a picture of birth. So there's death. Death to an old life, lived for ourselves, lived without God, even lived against God. And then there's birth into a new life, lived with God and lived for God. And this life is life that will last forever. When a person becomes a Christian, it's like they are born again. That born again believer is not a special type of Christian. Every Christian has been born again into this new life lived with God and for God. Born again into life with God as Father and Jesus as Shepherd. It's a wonderful life to live. It's not always easy, but it is always worth it. Baptism is a picture of a bath, it's a picture of a burial, and it's a picture of a birth. And lastly, let me squeeze in a fourth point that I don't have on the screen. Baptism is a blessing. Sometimes people are very fearful about being baptized, and there are some of those fears that I can allay if you are a Christian and you're uh, fearful at the prospect of being baptized. There are some fears that I can allay. If you're frightened that I'm going to hold you down under the water too long, don't be. Down and up. It's as simple as that. Uh, if you're frightened that I'm too weak to lift you up, don't be. It's surprisingly, even for a weakling like me, it's surprisingly easy. And I always get someone strong to help me like Kirsty today. So we'll, we'll, we'll be fine, Megan, don't, don't worry. So that's a fear that I can allay. You're not going to be under the water for any length of time. Uh, if you're frightened that this is just a bit full on, coming to the front of the church where everyone can see going right down under the water and been lifted up. You're frightened that that's just a bit, a bit full on, a bit too much. That's a fear that I can't allay because it is full on. It's, it's, you're all in, literally. And that is a great picture of, of life as a Christian. You, you, can't have, you can't dip one toe in the water. You can't have one toe in the water up there and one foot in the world to see what one you like best. Jesus demands that we're either with him or against him. We either love him or we hate him. It's all in or all out. So I can't allay that fear. You have to make your mind up whether you're all for Jesus or all against Jesus. And Megan is declaring as she is baptized, she is nailing her colors to the mast, and she is saying, I am all in. I am 100% for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that can be a scary thing, but baptism is a blessing. It's a place where Jesus promises his presence. And I have baptized people who have been absolutely terrified about being baptized. And then they come out, and one of the first things they say is, I wish I could be baptized again. That was so good. And people look back on their baptism as a very special day through the years of their lives. Baptism is a great blessing. The Lord Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also 
acknowledge before my Father in heaven. So, lastly, if you are a baptized believer, remember your baptism as you watch Megan being baptized. Rejoice in your baptism. Live in the light of your baptism. You've died to the old ways of life, life lived against God, and you've been born again into this new life, life lived with Him and for Him. So, live lives that are consistent with your baptism. Secondly, if you're a Christian and you've not been baptized as a believer, come and speak to me. It's not a burden, it's a blessing. And lastly, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, then make sure that you come to the point of experiencing the reality of what is pictured in baptism. That you come to that point where you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That you come to that point where God in Christ washes you clean. No matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, He washes you clean as you trust in Jesus. Come to that point where you die to the old life and you're born again into life in all of its fullness. Life eternal with the Lord Jesus Christ. And be baptized and follow Him joyfully for the rest of your life. Amen. Now, I hope I've not sent you to sleep because I've got some very important instructions.